And now, get growing with Farmer Fred. Talk650andKSTE.com. Here is Fred Hoffman. Well, happy Sunday morning to you. Welcome to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Farmer Fred here, Fred Hoffman, UC Cooperative Extension Lifetime Master Gardener, garden columnist with the Lodi News Sentinel, the guy that does all the typing at FarmerFred.com, all the ranting at the Farmer Fred Rant blog page at Twitter.com slash FarmerFredDailyGardenTips. Lots of snark. And uh, the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page, where you can see the route of my birthday bike ride yesterday. Got on the bike, pedaled my age, and more. Now, I, I want to be perfectly clear that the number of miles you see there are not my age. Because it was such a nice day, I just kept riding. So I have some insurance miles um, accumulated now for my age plus. So did that. Hey, planted some tomatoes, too. So I'm tired. That's why I'm glad Baldo is here. Baldo Viegas can keep us entertained and informed with stories of roses and bugs. And frankly, Baldo's kind of tired today, too, because he had a big day yesterday at the Sacramento Rose Society's annual show and sale. And uh, Baldo, big winners as always. Uh, you, you took home, what, seven trophies? Seven trophies. Seven trophies. Congratulations on that. And uh, even though some of your compatriots won more, not I, that they'll they'll never let you forget that either, will they? Well, you know, it was nowadays I, what I do is I tend to concentrate on certain things. Yeah. Uh, because in the past I, I won big and then everybody would be mad at me because, uh, you know, I would win everything. Right. Um, so now what I've done is uh, I just kind of concentrate on a few things that I kind of are dear to me. And the main thing that I wanted to do yesterday was um, bring in some some uh, miniature roses that um, people had never seen before. Okay. And uh, I accomplished that. All right. Yeah. And uh, but um, it was it was really nice to see people win. Uh, 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 Charlotte Owendike uh, won uh, eight trophies. We've had Charlotte on this program yes. many times, and she's and, a, a, a noted rosarian. And she thanked me profusely for not bringing certain roses uh, into the show uh, and let her win. <laughs> <laughs> but I told her, I said, "Hey, I left, I lost, I left those behind." <laughs> but it was it was really nice to see people uh, win uh, and over me, and uh, or tell me that they tied with me. Um, uh, it was it was it was really nice, especially when they enter some of the same roses that I you know that I gave them in the past, and they went and those and they won those with those roses that I gave them. The, to me, that was the real pleasure. Yeah. I, I I we should know too that Baldo is much more famous than just for roses and bugs. Uh, I noticed that on the uh, Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page when I was. Mentioning that Baldo was going to be on, talking about roses and buds, uh, bugs, somebody posted a picture of you and said, and he's a noted blueberry grower as well. And it was a picture of you surrounded by your blueberries. How many blueberry plants do you have? I have about 70. 70? Yes. You're crazy. I love them. Well, <laughs> 70, you're giving them yes. away. Uh, yes, I give a lot of them away. Yeah. In fact, I give most of them away. And I also feed the wildlife. Yes, you do. And, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and I still have like a, maybe a couple gallons in the in the freezer. 
<laughs> Have you started picking them yet? No, no, no. In about a month's time. Okay, but you see the berries now. I oh think, yes, they're you know. um, they're pea sized right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, my daughter was uh, home last last weekend, and I told her I said uh, I'll let you know when uh, when they're ready, and she's willing to come in from San Francisco, so she can uh, uh, she can pick us uh, some blueberries. And generally, what I do is I um, I pick. Uh, quite a few, you know, and then uh, ahead of her trip uh, because they're very slow, and I know how to pick them. And uh, I can very very easily pick a gallon without any problem. And uh, I save them, and then when they come over, uh, I let them pick. So you're not like a normal gardener where you take a plastic chair out to the blueberry patch, you sit down, you've got the bucket in your hand, and you just slowly go through the bush picking them one by one. No, no. That's not you. No. I take a um, one of those um, um, tray, the flat trays, mm-hmm, cookie sheet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But a baking it, sheet. Yeah. Not a baking sheet. A, a tray. A tray. Okay. A tray. Yeah. Something a, with a lip around the edge. Correct. Yeah. And then I just um, go bah- below the uh, the uh, the uh, blueberry um, bush, mm-hmm. especially those that has a lot of a lot of berries, and I just kind of um, I kind of uh, pick them. And then very easily, I, I uh, collect uh, lots and lots of uh, blueberries that way. Are your blueberry plants in sun or shade? Full sun. Full sun. Full sun. Okay, and they do well? Extremely well. Do in you fact, ha- um, I grow, the ones that do the best for me are the uh, northern high bush varieties. Now, this is unusual because the northern high bush is... Uh, That's what I was told. Yeah, they're the, supposedly they're the... Pride and joy of the northern latitudes, if you will, of Washington or yeah. Minnesota, and we tend to go with the southern high bush varieties here, which don't need as many chill hours and are more tolerant of our heat in the summertime. Correct. In my garden, the ones that do the worst are the sun, the south, uh, south, south um, the southern uh, varieties. Yeah, who's that guy on the radio that keeps saying all gardening is local? So. Yes. Whatever. You know, I find that the pH is the most important thing mm-hmm. and also the uh, the amount of water that you give them. Uh, so I water them every day mm-hmm. uh, for 10 minutes. Uh, and uh, and then if they need more water, then I uh, I add more water. But um, uh, just 10 minutes. They're in containers, right? Doing, no, no, they're in the ground. They're in the ground. They're in the ground. Where yeah. do you live where the soil pH is 5.5? My soil is uh, any it ranges anywhere from four to uh, around five point five point five. Naturally? No, 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 no. Okay, so these are basically in ground containers where you've taken out the native soil and put in a mix of a very acidic no, soil. No, 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 no. I didn't do that. All right, what'd you do? What I did is I um, it took me a year to achieve that. Okay. All right. I didn't uh, plant the blueberries for a year until I. I, until I got the pH down below uh, f- uh, five, I put a lot of salt sulfur. Okay. And then I uh, and I checked it constantly to make sure that I was getting the pH down. What did the pH then, start off at? Six point eight. Six point eight. That's typical for soils in our area. That's I mean, uh, that's the native uh, soil. Okay. Was six point eight. And what is it now? Um, it ranges from 4 to 5.5. All right. So you've applied sulfur probably fairly the, consistently. Uh, for the first year. For the first year. I haven't added any sulfur ever since. Okay. What I did also, I, I rotilled 
three bales of uh, peat moss. And then I also put some um, uh, redwood um, uh, compost mm-hmm. that I gather from my neighbor's uh, uh, redwood trees. Okay. And then I rotate that in. And then uh, when I had the, I also, I must add that I have very sandy soil in that oh, area. Oh, lucky you. Yes. So that's, the water never, never uh, uh, drainage is not a problem. Okay. And that's very important with blueberries. Yes. So that's why uh, I water on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Okay. With okay. your sandy soil. Like, like that guy says, all gardening is local. Yes. And But the, the key is you started off by not saying, what do I want to plant? You started off by saying, what sort of shape is my soil in and what do I need to do to get that soil to the point where I can grow these plants that I want? Correct. In my old house, I used to have them in the north side of the house because I, everything I read yeah, said no, that... Um, yeah, they need shade. They yeah. needed shade. Yeah. And then, uh, but my mind turned up 80, uh, 180 degree turn when I was uh, working in Fresno and I met the farm advisor there uh, in the mid-80s. And he took me out to the field where he was testing some uh, uh, blueberry varieties. And they were in Fresno in full sun. And I kind of go in there, and they were doing really, really well. And I'm going, but, but, but. but. Yeah. <laughs> it says, no, they can grow in full sun. And what varieties were those? Were they Southern High uh, Bush or Northern High well, Bush? He had all the vari- available varieties in, in others. Hmm. So he, he was trialing all these Correct. different varieties. And he was, at that time, he was, uh, he was the farm advisor for the small crops. Okay. And at that time, he was trying to get um, uh, the Hmong people, uh, you know, small crops that they can grow right. uh, in small acreage. And uh, so he was recommending all this, you know, like strawberries. And um, I mean, he was a pioneer in a lot of these mm-hmm. small crops for for the immigrant okay. for specialty crops. Yeah, yeah. So so when I saw that, I said, hmm, hmm, hmm. So <laughs> so after that, I you know I I kept telling my wife, I said, no, 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 no. Uh, blueberries don't have to be in the shade. Because my bl- my wife was the one that uh, wanted the blueberries really bad, you know. Yeah, we both love uh, blueberries, but she's the one. She's the one that uh, kept saying, "No, no, they they you have to put them in the shade." Well, that's what all the literature says. Yes, yes. So when I had the chance in my new place, I put them in full sun, and I I said, "This is the place where I'm going to put the blueberries, and blueberries need this." Re- have these requirements. But before you did that, you worked the soil to the point where the plants could take off and grow quickly by giving them that the pH that they needed. Correct. Which is a very low number, 4.5 yes. to 5.5. Yes. So I always enjoy when uh, when Ed is in the, on the radio and talks about <laughs> blueberries, and you talk about blueberries. And uh, also, he kind of gave you some pointers. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> Ed was on last week, Ed Livo, and we were talking blueberries. And, you know, he insists, too, grow them in full sun. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so I enjoy his tips because I said, oh, well, that's what I learned. Yeah. All right. Yes. <laughs> well, what else does that guy on the radio say? Oh, yeah. Everything we know is wrong. Yes. <laughs> and it's so true. Baldo Villegas is here, Master Rosarian. 
entomologist, grower, green thumb guy. That'll give you a green thumb award. <laughs> Numbers to call in with your questions, 916-576-1578-866-331-8255. Email, it's fred at farmerfred.com. We'll get to the phones right after this. It's Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Along with Baldo Villegas, Master Rosarian, state entomologist, retired, avid gardener. Uh, if you're a Girl Scout, you can probably get a tour of his place. <laughs> or a Boy Scout. Uh or a church group, or a garden club. I have, uh, in fact, this afternoon I have um, uh, a garden club coming over. Okay. And then uh, tomorrow I have another garden club coming over. And then uh, I told them uh, next mu- next Sunday uh, I will have an open garden. So anyway, don't say that on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that on the radio. <laughs> That's it. Oh my! All right, let's go. Let's go and talk to another avid gardener here. The guy that uh, did not leave water out for me on my bike ride yesterday, Ted in Granite Bay. Uh, Ted was supposed to bring me some some donuts, uh, but he never did. Well, thank you, Ted. (laughs) I I was going to leave you a cupcake, but I was working at the other end of the house. My wife wasn't there. The gate was locked, and you had your snarling Doberman there at the gate. And I, no, no, no. We were working most of the day out there. So all right. I'm sorry I missed you. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. I have three questions, and they're for Baldo. Uh-oh. Uh, Baldo, could you talk about the, tu- I think it's tusk-caught worm that is all over California? The, su- the tusk moths? Like like yeah. the ones that you, yeah. ta- you uh, posted on Facebook? Yes, because everybody in this area, and I've heard all, everybody seems to be bothered by that. I'd like the life cycle, and uh, is it going to do a lot of damage? No, that's a native insect. Um, and again, they co-evolve with the, na- with the uh, native oaks. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, it's, they're a nuisance because they're everywhere. Yes, but uh, they won't. Uh, they won't kill the oak trees. For those who don't know, Baldo, describe the tussock moth. Uh, the tussock moth is um, uh, the caterpillars are out right now. They're about uh, up to a couple inches, uh, generally the inch and a half to two inches long, and they have tufts of hair there um, on the caterpillar. On the caterpillar, yeah. and yeah. they're very colorful. Yeah. Um, and uh, the native uh, species that co-evolve with some of our native trees, yeah. like the oak trees. Mm, okay, and, and since, Ted, you live in an oak grove, no wonder you have tussock moths. Yes, but they're on all my fruit trees and the roses. They're on everything. Yeah. You're feeding them. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. have a very healthy uh, landscape. Fish. I, I threw some into the fish this morning. I don't know if they, the fish like hairy things like that, but... Uh, that's what I did. Okay. The birds would also feed on them. So okay. what, were, what were the other questions? Okay. The other one, Baldo, did you get a chance to look anything on that spider I sent you with the egg? I guess it's maybe an egg sack. Um, well, the uh, the spider that you that you um, that you posted in Facebook uh, is a very interesting spider, and I no, I have not uh, been able to identify it. 
Okay. I've been busy in the in the last few days, if you haven't yeah, noticed. I understand. I understand. <laughs> but it was uh, it was a very unusual spider. I have never seen that one before. Uh-huh. Uh It it had uh, is white. It has a you know big abdomen with four spots on the abdomen on the dorsal part part of the abdomen, and a lot of uh, people uh, you know they're commenting about the uh, casino spider or the um, uh, dice spider or the uh, uh-huh. you know very interesting spider. It's yeah. related to the black widows, uh, you know, because the black widows have the big abdomen like that. Yeah. But it's this is a benign type of spider. It's a harmless spider, uh, because I, you know, I tried to look up uh, the poison spiders for California, and it wasn't listed as that. Uh, yeah. So I looked I, it up. I looked up uh, black widow related spider spiders, and I couldn't find it. I just couldn't find anything on it at all. Yes. I did the same thing. I I tried yeah. to kind of answer your question, but I couldn't okay. find the the answer. I'm not a spider guy. If you know. oh okay, yeah. I thought I thought you might be. All right. Now my last. Uh, it's just a statement. About three years ago, I won a rose, and I heard you on the other program talking about joy. Yes. And I won that in that uh, in the rose uh, contest thing, and it was kind of ugly. Just won a little stick or something. And I moved it into another plant last year, and it is beautiful. I'm going. It's just budding out. I'm going to send you a picture on your, on your Facebook. It's uh, just amazing. Yeah, uh, Joy is one of the best uh, miniature roses you can get. I mean, it's just an amazing rose. It's the number one exhibition rose in the country, and uh, yeah. it was named uh, by a friend of mine from uh, from. Um, a mis- I, I believe it's in South Carolina, in the Carolina somewhere. And uh, he named it after his mom. Uh, and uh, uh, and uh, it was a uh, well-deserved uh, uh, recognition because it's, uh, it's an amazing rose. And for those who weren't listening, describe the Joy Rose. Uh, the Joy Rose is a pink blend a rose. Uh, it has a high center. Um, every, every flower that is produced has the high center uh, in its um, beautiful exhibition rose. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's one of those that produces one, as, uh, one uh, flower per stem or clusters of stems. I mean, clusters of blooms in, in one stem. Um, and it grows um, anywhere from, um, uh, it grows about three feet high, uh, maybe four feet wide. Um, and it's always in bloom. And it's a miniature rose, so the flower itself is only, what, maybe an inch, inch and a half wide? Correct. It's about an inch and a half yeah. when it's fully open. Okay. Yeah. Ted, always good talking to okay. you. All right. Thanks All for right. Co- well, thank you very much, and I'll put, I'll put a <laughs> cupcake out for next week. Oh, good. I always like to eat ant-covered cupcakes. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> All thank right. you. All right, thank Ted. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah, it's um, everybody has different luck with different plants, and... Uh, it's it's always amazing uh, what people can do. All right, let's go up to Newcastle and talk to Denise. Denise, thanks for giving us a call here at Get Growing. Hi, thanks Hi. for taking my call. I have three questions. Sure. Hopefully that's okay. Um, I was wondering, uh, there's a rose growing in an abandoned lot near here, and it's just stunningly beautiful. It's white, and I think it's a hybrid tea of some kind, but it survives pretty nasty conditions. What's the best way to identify a rose that you just have no way of knowing what it might be? Something online or 
bring it into me. I would say take it to a rose show when you hear about a rose show coming to your area and let, uh, let a rosarian or go to a meeting. You know, you're in Newcastle, so you're not too far from the Sierra Foothills Rose Society meetings. And if yeah. you then those are free meetings. And if you took a cutting and took it to them, they could probably identify it for you. Okay. Well, we right. have we have several rose societies in the area. And the Gold Country Rose Society meets at the uh, Rose uh, uh, Room in um, City Hall. At, in, where? In, uh, Auburn? Okay. in Auburn? In Auburn. In Auburn. Oh, that'd be closer yes. to you then. Yes. Yeah. And um, uh, anyway, they uh, they meet on the first Thursday, Tuesday of the month at 7.30. So okay. that might be I real soon. Yes. That would be really perfect because it's just getting ready to bloom right now. Yes. Um, okay. And awesome. There's, uh, Thank there's you. also consulting rosarians there that will help you identify the the uh, the rose. Okay. Uh, so bring in the flower and maybe a picture of the bring leaf bring and... some buds, bring some uh, flowers if you have them, and bring definitely bring bring a stem so that we can look at the at the leaves. Uh, okay. Some roses are um, you can identify it just by the leaves. So. Oh. So it's very, very important to look at the uh, the thorns uh, or the prickles, uh, you know, we call them, yes. <laughs> and then the uh, the bloom, the bud, and then the leaves. Yeah, that's a good point for people who want to get a rose identified. It's not just the flower that can help rosarians determine what it is. So when you bring in a sample, it should probably be about eight inches long or so. So maybe there's like five sets of leaves on it. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. Sure. Um, Second question. A lot of people promote the idea of putting, um, starting a, a cutting in a potato. No, roses. no, no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, why, not? why not? Why not? Does it do any good? Does no, it do any no. harm? No, it just uh, rots. Okay. It just rots. Um, I, I see that. I, I answer that question so many times in the internet. Yeah. It's not funny. <laughs> Um, but it's a, it's a good way of keeping a, a cutting uh, live for a few days. Um, but, oh. But uh, no, that's not going to work. Okay, so it, I guess in that case then, let's say you gather up some rose cuttings, you go into the house and you realize you forgot or all the vases are full and you need to put these somewhere, so maybe cut a potato in half and stick them in that potato well, so if you can find the, a vase. If, you know, this is something that the pioneers did. Okay. When they were traveling across the country. And, oh. uh, yeah, this is something that was left over from the pioneers. Makes sense. Okay, yeah. well, we don't need to do that now. I yeah, we don't need to do that. Gallon and, pots, so. and your third question, Denise. My third question is, I'm kind of like the garlic guy that called earlier. We moved and we planted, transplanted a whole bunch of onions. And uh, some of them are getting quite big and turning brown. If I harvest them... Um, just let them dry out for a few weeks before we eat them. Exactly. The same as I was talking about with garlic. garlic. When you start okay. seeing the leaves the, the starting to turn brown, half or so, is to uh, dig out the entire plant, leave the stalk intact, and put it on the shady side of the house in a single layer. And I like to put them on a table that has ventilation, like some sort of mesh wire, just so they get okay. good air circulation all through it. And, yeah, just let it dry out for two weeks or so. Or build that root cellar that you've always wanted and, and put I them in there. One. Oh, do you? Well, then, the, you, then yeah. you're set. Okay, awesome. Thanks, guys. Very right. much appreciate it. Okay, Denise, Bye. thanks for calling. All Bye -bye. right. Somebody with a root cellar. I like that.
All right. Good for you. All right. We'll take a short break. More of Get Growing on the way on Talk 650 KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Along with Master Rosarian, retired state entomologist, and we just found out blueberry expert Baldo Viegas is here, and uh, we're answering your gardening questions. But before we get back to the questions, Baldo, let's do a little primer on the bugs of spring, especially roses right now. Uh, I know aphids love the new uh, growth on roses. What are the other pests that uh, roses are being visited upon right now, and and what controls are out there that exist in nature? Um, you know the the aphids the aphids were not much of a problem this year to, for me mm-hmm. um, because I I don't spray I don't spray my roses, so I have a lot of beneficial insects out there. Um, so I have uh, uh, a lot of predatory insects like myriad bugs, uh, uh, the uh, the small wasps that mm-hmm. come in and, and lay their eggs on the uh, is on that the, the is, is it the word I can't pronounce? Incuminated? Uh, they're they're Oh, they're braconid wasps. Okay, yes. not the incuminated wasps. <laughs> but the ignominus are also out there. Okay. Um, and then, of course, uh, this uh, the uh, the one that I love the most are the um, uh, myriad bugs, and those are the ones that I mentioned that also are into the. Uh, they also feed on the uh, caterpillars, uh, the leaf rollers. Okay, how do you spell myriad? M i r i d myriad. Okay. Mirrored bug. M-I-R-I-D. Oh, there it is. I just yeah. I, I asked you that so I could look it up to see what it looks like. It's got long antennae. Uh, mirrored bugs. Uh, yeah. No, it doesn't no. have that long antennae. Oh, then, okay. But um, a lot of them are predators. And, um, and some of them have, um, you know, they can be pests and they can be predators at the same time. Uh, so, um, uh, but there are there are some groups that are strictly predators, and uh, those are the ones that I see very commonly feeding on the uh, leaf rollers hmm. uh, at this time of the year. They come in and they, you know, I see them uh, uh, feeding on the leaf rollers, and uh, so I know that I have an organic garden. Um, so uh, aphids are uh, uh, they no, you know, I don't spray anything for my in my yard. Uh, because I depend on on the natural enemies. Don't you spray water? <laughs> no, no, no. I I have a, a uh, uh, well, I have a uh, sprinklers and and drip in some some areas. Um, so um, for aphids, uh, I depend on the on on um, on the uh, beneficial insects. Uh, uh, hoplia beetles are starting to come in. H o p l i a hoplia yeah, beetles. Hoplia. Hoplia, hoplia beetle. beetles. These mm. are little tiny beetles. A lot of mis- people mistaken for uh, Japanese beetles, um, and they're uh, they destroy the uh, the um, the petals of roses, especially mm-hmm. the light color roses. And um, for those, I depend on birds. Um, I have an um, the um, uh, the one that does a lot of uh, uh, controlling are the um, uh, the blue jays or the uh, scrub jays, the scrub jays. Yeah. Uh, also, the um, the mocking, mockingbirds, mockingbird, yeah, mm-hmm. mockingbirds, and then even the um, bluebirds, the western bluebird. Uh, 
Um, and of course, uh, there's also uh, 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 some of the hummingbirds also come in and, and they feed yeah. on aphids. Really? Hummingbirds I, will feed on aphids. I did not know that. Yeah. And they also pollinate. And they're, yes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I have a, I have a fantastic uh, number of uh, beneficial insects in my yard. Well, that's because you have built the Good Bug Hotel. Yes. And you have plants ranging from small ground covers to huge trees that attract a wide variety of beneficials that are not only controlling pests but helping in pollination. Yes. In my backyard, I have um, I built the perfect um, bug hotel. Mm-hmm. What I did is um, I designated some ro- uh, rose beds, and then I put um, miniature roses around each of the beds that are single-petal roses for the beneficials to just go in there and then just kind of have a feast in, in the petal, in the uh, stamens of the rose so they can get their um, their honeydew and uh, their, um, their uh, they can get to the, um, uh, to the open flowers a lot easier. Yeah, we, we should stress that point that the single petaled, which is just a single row of petals, like yes. a, a rose like Sally Holmes, it's much easier for the beneficials to get the food they need right. as opposed to a, a, a complicated they, rose, a multi-petaled yeah. rose. Those, open, those uh, single-petal roses or semi-double roses allow the beneficials to get in there and get, uh, get the pollen and, and nectar and, uh, and then go about uh, doing their business. Right. Um, and you'll be surprised how many beneficials I see in those, in those roses. True or false, single Petaled roses can take more shade than others. Yes, they can. Yes, okay. it's yes. true. All right. Um, uh, there are some roses. In fact, uh, I for uh, shady areas of the garden where I get, uh, let's say, four hours of sunlight, I put up single petal roses. Okay, that's what I need then. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, light a rose, mm-hmm. and that's uh, one that I have under an oak tree. And that's a single-petaled rose. That's a single-petaled yeah. rose. Okay. And I love that that uh, rose. It, so. uh, there is a if you want to see a Lida rose, it's spelled L-Y-D-A, and it's in full bloom right now at the Old City Cemetery at Tenth and Broadway, and it is just phenomenal. It's uh, I forget the guy's tomb that it's on, but <laughs> it's it's uh, it's a spectacular rose. It's uh, yes. I have a picture posted of it uh, at the uh, Farmer Fred Rant blog page. If you Google Farmer Fred Rant and Lida Rose L Y D A, I'm sure it'll pop up with yes. the guy's name on the on the tomb. So you know where to go. But yeah, the Old so, City Cemetery is a great place for roses, isn't it? Oh yes, amazing. Yeah. I always, whenever I have visitors from the outside, I always take them to the city cemetery. Yeah. I always take them to McKinley Park, and then I go to the, to the, to the Capitol, mm-hmm. and then, then from there I go to, to, to the cemetery. There you go. Three great rose gardens that are an easy drive, and they're, they're very close to each other. And then I go out to lunch with them, and then we, uh, then we come to my house, and then we have more roses to look at. <laughs> But you know, I'm, I'm in, we have a lot of uh, gardens in the area, mm-hmm. and uh, so a lot of my friends open their gardens for my friends, and then we kind of have a a garden tour. Oh, them. okay, a little uh, yeah, informal garden tour. Yes, but let's go back to beneficials. Okay, what I did is in my backyard, I have a lot of um, plants that attract beneficial insects. Right, and uh, so so I have a great um, a number of beneficials that come 
I'm coming to the into the garden because of the type of plants that I I planted. Mm-hmm. Plants that are a lot of people think. Okay, I need plants with uh, bugs on them in order to attract beneficials. No, what you need are plants for shelter and for food, and plants that produce pollen. Plants where that pollen is easy to get, very attractive to the beneficials. Yes. So anyway, by having in, and all this is in the backyard, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, um, those beneficials stay in my yard, and then they, they transfer over to my roses. I had a, I had a, a group of uh, 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 girls come over to my garden. They're from a garden, uh, from a, uh, oh, I don't know, whatever the... A the, garden club. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, garden club. And uh, they they brought me ladybugs to release in my yard. They thought uh, you know I had to release some of these ladybugs. And of course I I looked at them and they were the uh, conversion lady beetle. And then I said, Oh God, I have to teach these kids something about okay about predacious insect. Yes, yes, about reality. So here. before we released them, I said, um, Could you? Uh, could you identify any of the lady, bu- lady beetles that are in my present garden? And then, of course, we saw the um, the most common was the the uh, um, uh, uh, the. Um, uh, I can't help you on this one, yeah. Baldo. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the lady beetle, the conversion lady beetle that we saw the most common mm-hmm. was not the. Convergent lady beetle. Okay. Different number of spots, different color. Yes, yeah. yes. And uh, so, you know, I taught him something about uh, what was in my garden. Okay. Um, and then I said, but if you want to release some of these things, go ahead. And I said, but as soon as you release them, by the following morning, all those l- convergent lady beetles are going to be gone from the garden. They're going yeah. back to Groveland. I said, but if you want to make me happy, next time you come over, bring me the money instead. <laughs> the what instead? The money. The money that you spend for this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, because you know, I don't. I really don't need this. This uh, uh, conversion lead beetles. Mm-hmm. I depend more on the uh, on the others. Uh, need, uh, the other lady beetles than the conversion lady beetles. Yeah, I, I think people forget that. Every species on this earth, uh, their first urge is territory from man on down. And so when bugs establish their territory, they are going to resist an invasion from their cousins. And it's true with ladybugs, too. It's like uh, there could be a ladybug war going on there with the established ladybug saying, no, you, you can't be here. And so the other ones go, "Okay, well, I'll go back to where I came from then. Which is somewhere in the Sierra foothills. Yes, they as soon as the temperatures go above fifty-five degrees, they're they're they go they fly up into the, into into the sky and then they follow the the established currents and then they go to the foothills. Wow, 
So what would happen if somebody took him over to Reno? <laughs> they would not have an established current. <laughs> <laughs> no, they always go back to, the, they always uh, migrate to the mountains. Yeah. What is cooler. All right, exactly. We have to take a break. When we come back, we'll get back to your questions on the phone. Nine, what other numbers here? Thank you for asking. 916-576-1578 or 866-331-8255. Email, send it to fred at farmerfred.com. We'll get to your emails as well. When we come back to get growing on Talk 650 KSTE. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Quick look at the weather. Nice today with a high of 69 in Sacramento. Slowly warming and remaining sunny through the balance of the week all the way through next uh, Saturday. And it's, as I say, slowly warming. Uh, High tomorrow, 71. By the time we get to Friday, it'll be 85. And overnight lows in the low 50s. So a very nice springtime week uh, here in our area. Perfect to keep planting those tomatoes. Paulo Villegas is here, the uh, Master Rosarian, retired state entomologist, blueberry expert. We tell you what, uh, when the Garden Grappler is uh, going on at 11 o'clock, maybe we can talk more about your uh, blueberry irrigation regimen. Okay. We, we can figure sure. that. That way we won't give away any, any ac- answers accidentally. Okay. Uh, all right. But back to the phones we go. Let's talk with uh, Roberta in Garden Valley. Roberta, good morning to you. Thanks for calling. Good morning, Fred and Baldo. Good morning, you, you Roberta. Guys, you guys make me laugh sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> people say, do you go to church on Sunday? I say, oh, I'm religious about listening to Fred Hoffman and the garden <laughs> shows. <laughs> well, I am an ordained minister, so think of yourself as being at church. I do the same there thing. I go, yeah. Um, um, years and years ago, I was at a, a ranch in the cool Pilot Hill area, and there was a beautiful multicolored rose that was very, very fragrant. I mean, it just permeated the air in the area. And uh, I asked them what rose that was, and they said it was Americana. And I'd never heard of that type of rose, and uh, I don't have internet at home. I live way up in the boonies. So I was wondering if Baldo had any information about what type of rose that might be. What colors do you remember? You said it's a multicolored rose. What, what were the it colors? It was like yellow and with uh, stripes of pink and red through it. Ooh. Okay, I'm not no. familiar with that. Uh, when you okay. said Americana? Yes, uh, Americana is uh, what they said it was. Yeah, I, nev- I never, I don't, I can't think of an, a rose by that name, Okay. Oh, gosh, uh, I'm going to get a blue ribbon. I've stumped Baldo. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just that, you know, if I saw it, I would know what it is. Uh, okay. But from the description you gave me and the name that they gave you, they, they could be wrong, okay? Of course they could, um, yeah. Uh, the uh, when, uh, uh, when I saw your question, I thought it was America. There's a rose called America. But it's uh it's kind of a uh, orangish uh, rose, uh, also mm. fragrant, but it's it's a solid color that changes colors from kind of orangish to kind of um, uh, oh, you know, an orangish yeah. type color. And okay, it's, uh, well, 
it does that very, very well in our area, and it's a climbing rose. Um, but oh, when you told yeah. me that it's, um, when you describe it, then I'm, you know, you threw me for a loop. Now, what yeah. you mentioned, I, I pulled up a picture, and Baldo, you may want to come over here and take a look at this picture. It sounds very much like what you described, but actually it, it's not a rose. It, it's a geranium plant that is called Americana Rose. And it, mm. so is it like a, like a dark pink in the center with a, a lighter pink along the edge? No, it's, no, that's it's not, not it? a geranium. No, okay, it, it was a rose. I, I think right. it, I think it was probably a climbing rose when they planted it, and it was just a mound of, uh, you know, like if a climbing rose wasn't put up on a trellis or something. Mm-hmm. Do you I, have a? I tell you what, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the ranch and uh, ask if see if I can get a cutting. Okay, where is this at? It was off of uh, Rattlesnake Bar Road in the Pilot Hill area. Okay. Okay. I bike up there sometimes. I'll have to look for it. Yeah. This a, yeah, it, was, um, it was by their barn. Yeah, there's a, a row society in the area, uh, Mother Load Row Society, and mm-hmm. uh, they might be able to help you uh, get some, you know. Um, but, um, well, but you got me stumped a little bit there. Yeah, now, now that I'm retired, I can kind of do uh, rose uh, gardening because, you know, the deer love to eat them. Right. Yes. Um, right. There's a website called helpmefind.com. Okay. And uh, if you put a, uh, the name of uh, the rose, they might, be, they might give you some hints as to what it might be. Um, well, that's why I don't think it's what she's describing. I just did that. I went to help me find, and, and I, yeah. I brought up the Americana rose, and it's a pretty much a, a pink rose. Yes. Mm. Now, so, this is this is a multi multi colored one with yellow and pink and red uh, stripes. Really? That, so, does that sound like a yeah. Joseph's coat or a Rio Samba to you, Baldo? It could be. It could be. I mean, if I saw a picture of it, yeah. I might be able to... Take a picture there, Roberta. Yeah. I will. Okay. Thank you so much, Roberta, gentlemen, and have uh, a good day. Yeah, Roberta, uh, if you take a picture and uh, send it to Fred, um, he will forward to me, and then I will give you a better a better name. Okay? Even though you don't have the internet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can go to the library. Okay, so. there you go. You're <laughs> Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Have a good morning. All right. Thanks, Roberta. Appreciate Bye-bye. it. Bye-bye. Once again, Garden Grappler coming up uh, after the news at 11 o'clock. A chance for you to pick up a prize or two from the Farmer Fred Prize Closet. Clue available at FarmerFred.com. And a clue available at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. Uh, the clue is... Uh, linked at the description about Baldo's appearance on this show. So look for the picture of Baldo. Uh, hold, I think you were holding a watermelon. or jug, You're juggling cantaloupe. That's what, that's oh, what you were doing. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And uh, you'll find the clue to the garden grappler in there. It has nothing to do with cantaloupe, the uh, garden grappler itself. So we'll be doing that uh, when we come back. If you're on hold with questions here, though, stay on hold because maybe you'll have a chance to uh, play in the garden grappler as well. And... Uh, We'll get to it right after the news. You're listening to Get Growing here on Talk 650 KSTE and KSTE.com. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. 
Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. And the Garden Grappler is as timely as what we were just talking about in the last half hour. Since Baldo is not only a master rosarian, but a retired state entomologist, he's very familiar with the pests of California. He is also very familiar with the garden good guys, the beneficials. So it's only fair, only fitting, we have a garden grappler in which you have to name a garden good guy. That could be either a pollinator or a beneficial insect. Notice I use the word insect. The German shepherd next door does not count as a garden good guy. So a pollinator or a beneficial insect is what we're looking for. All five callers get a prize, bonus prize for caller five, because as you know, in the Garden Grappler, you cannot repeat an earlier answer. The numbers to call in on the Garden Grappler. Are you ready, Terry, in there for this? Okay, Terry's ready. 916-576-1578 or 866-331-8255. Again, 916-576-1578 or 866-331-8255. Mr. Villegas, our jury and judge for this competition is standing by with your alleged answers name a garden good guy either a pollinator or a beneficial insect and we should point out the two might be intertwined how about birds why are you giving away answers right off the top of the <laughs> bat <laughs> well they have to give specifics you know Right. <laughs> well, all right. Now that you've limited the contest even more, if you name a bird as a beneficial, oh, I, I see. But no, birds. Okay, all right. Well, there are birds that are pollinators, though. But they would have to be very specific about which birds are the pollinators. Correct. All right. Don't don't throw these curveballs at me, boy. <laughs> All right, let's go to the phones. I guess my job for the next 15 minutes is just to keep you quiet. All right. All right. Uh, Where are we? Peggy in Citrus Heights. Thanks for uh, hanging in there. I got one. Okay. The praying mantis. Now, are are you saying that? Because when I wrote on the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page that Baldo was be here, I I specifically asked people, do not mention the praying mantis. Oh, no, no. I don't even do Facebook. I don't. Okay. Because when you say praying mantis, all it does is raise Baldo's blood pressure, and we don't want (laughs) to raise his blood pressure. And because Baldo has some very strong views about the praying mantis. Oh well, I got plenty of them in my yard. Uh, okay, well, but, but okay, well, let's let's settle this amicably here. <laughs> now, Baldo, I I know how you feel I'm about the praying still, mantis. No, no, I my know. blood is boiling. Don't don't get I, I want to squish now. it. No. I my blood could get boiling too, but I have it under control. All right. I drank plenty of coffee but, this morning. But too. Bal- <laughs> Baldo, you would agree though that the praying mantis can eat garden bad guys. Sure do. Uh, but most of the time, it eats garden good guys. I'm saying, oh. I'm saying though that some of the time, some of the time, it will eat the bad guys. In my garden, a hundred percent of the time that I saw praying mantises, they were eating. Good guys. Oh no! You no. mean I got to get rid of them? No, I no. I, I, I just, I, that's why I told you people not to bring up praying mantises on this show, <laughs> because I mean he flies in the face of all the recommendations of UCIPM and all right. And, and the I'll, praying I'll give you a bird or robin. Uh, because a, a robin. robin. Well, Baldo. Okay, okay. I'll I will accept that. 
a robin yes. as a pollinator? Because remember, well, remember it eats oh. insects. Well, yeah, but it eats insects, but it itself is not a beneficial insect. Because oh, the yeah. question specifically says, name a pollinator or a beneficial insect. A beneficial insect. Not not a robin or the German a shepherd robin, next door. Uh, yeah. But I want to go back to praying mantises because I, I, I will, being a master gardener, I will say, well, the University of California has literature that talks about praying mantises eating pests in the garden. Well, they're wrong. <laughs> Okay, okay. Well, I learned something today. I always thought they ate, you know, the bad bugs. Whoever says that, I can correct them very easily as a biocontrol specialist for the state of California. Yes, and I also know your feelings about the University of California. But let me me just go there and see if they change their mind and agree with Baldo, because many times uh, they will do that. (laughs) Well, I I, I do have a a question about a rose also. Um, I had Summer Dream. It's an apricot or apricot color rose. Yes. And I tried to transplant it because it had weeds growing all around in my pot. And when I did that, um, it started to grow shoot. Then when the frost came, it killed it. So, And I've looked online, and um, they describe the rose, but I can't. I don't seem to see where anybody has it. Or if you guys know of um, another uh, apricot color roses, uh, if you could name a few of them for me, I'd appreciate that. Well, there's a, there's a rose called America. There's a climber. It's kind I of don't like... want a climber. I want apricot color rose. Okay. Uh, and let... the one that I had was Summer Dream, and so I don't know any other oh. ones that has that color because I, I like all pastel colors right now. Okay. Um let me let me uh, mention them as we go on because I you know I'm getting old <laughs> and I I have I have these mental uh, episodes where I kind of forget. <laughs> no 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 problem. I um I didn't know about HelpMeFind.com so I'll probably go on there and look to see. Yes, too, but I just um, thought off the top of your head since you have so many roses. Help me find. You can name one apricot. One yellow, one red, one orange. Okay. Um, I while you're talking, I'm looking through the uh, the 2014 American Rose Society Handbook for oh. selecting roses to okay. see what what are some of their top uh, rated apricot blends. And, okay. And uh, here's one called Royal Sunset. Oh. But you don't want it because it's a climber. Oh no, I don't want a climber. You don't want a climber. No, All right. Sir. So Thank you. well, I tried. I'm going okay. to mention a few um, as I uh, as I remember them. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my list of roses here, uh, my the ones that I highly recommend. Okay. And then I'm going to go through my list. Okay. Okay. And uh, I, I can fill the void in the meantime by mentioning some that are in this uh, ARS book. One I, I never heard of, and Baldo, you have to tell me about this hybrid tea called Gruss on Coburg, which is an apricot blend from 1927. Wow. Okay. What is it? Gross? One that I highly recommend is Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. Okay. It's an really? apricot. Yes. Apricot? Oh, yes. It's oh, an apricot oh. blend. Oh. And yesterday at the, at the Sacramento Rose Society show, there were some uh-huh. fantastic specimens of Marilyn Monroe. I have three of them in my garden. Ooh, I'm so, going to have to come and get a clipping. <laughs> it's, a, it's a protected rose. <laughs> 
Oh, it's a protected rose. All right. So he But has- if you come over, you know, you can take a bloom with you and um and you can do whatever you want with it. Oh, what good does that do? Yeah. It'll no. die. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can take a clipping. Okay. Hint, hey. hint, hint. I'm I'm the one that had the saw flies attacking my Italian cypress. Oh. oh. I'm kind of a neighbor. Okay. So, but um anyhow, Thank you. I'll, I'll I'll see if I can find one. Or well, I'll be just... I'll be talking about some of the ones that you talked about. Okay. Okay. There's another one. Um, Tahitian sunset is an Tahitian apricot. Tahitian sunset. Yes, it's another. Okay. Apricot. That sounds pretty. Yeah. Tahitian yes. sunset. All right. And then easy does it. It's really? Florib- yes. Okay. It's a it's easy a floribunda floribunda rose. And okay. all of this that I mentioned to you, uh-huh. you can get them in in any nursery right now. Oh, okay. Um, All right. Okay. Roberta, I still want to go back to the praying mantis here. And, oh, uh, okay. All right. Well, thank you guys very much. Now, Roberta, hold on here. I, because oh, I'm not Roberta. I'm Peggy. I'm Peggy. I'm sorry, Peggy. I, I okay. meant I meant Peggy. I I, okay. I was too. I, my brain was <laughs> colored apricot there no for problem. a second. <laughs> Gruss and Kohlberg. Um, the praying mantis is listed on the UCIPM Natural Enemies page, Baldo. Oh. It's still there. Now, it's not that complimentary about it. It says generalist predator on a wide variety of insects. Well, whoever wow. wrote that uh, thing, I'm going to have to have a little talk with them. Oh, boy. Right. Uh, well, I guess by seeing them, I'm going to have to get rid of them. Wow. <laughs> no, I, I let them be because, um, you know, uh, they're they're pretty to look at. Okay. But as as far as uh, as a garden good guy, I kind of put him in. You know, I don't I don't consider him a garden good guy. Being the good University of California bureaucrats they are, they gave themselves a little fudge factor here. Their very last sentence is: as mantids consume both pests and beneficials, they are difficult to use reliably uh, reliably for biological control. Um, Perfect. Okay. Thank. You. I like that statement, right. but I wish they had put that in the first. Yes. Sentence <laughs> of, uh, of right. that. Sorry about that, Peggy. It's okay. Thank All you right. for the information, though. All right. Thanks for calling. Well, when I see him, I'll just have to maybe put him in somebody else's yard. Okay. Well, okay. Thank uh, you. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. We'll take a short break. Get to your answers in the Garden Grappler. One open line. Uh, name a garden good guy, a pollinator, or a beneficial insect. 916-576-1578. Or 866-331-8255. It's the Garden Grappler. It's going on Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. With one open line left for the Garden Grappler. Name a garden good guy, a pollinator, or a beneficial insect. Mr. Roses and Bugs is here, the official judge, Baldo Viegas, Sacramento Rose Society, Sierra Foothills Rose Society, many Rose Societies. Uh, several Rose Societies. Yes, yes. Ma- <laughs> Master Rosarian. And Baldo, you were uh, mentioning just a few minutes ago, why hasn't Charlie called in yet? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm disappointed <laughs> with my friend Charlie in the Brooklyn. <laughs> What's up, guys? Hey, Charlie. How you doing, Fred? Happy <laughs> yeah. birthday. Thank you very much. Yes, I I, yeah. I, I did my bike ride. I'm happy. We have a thing in common. Both our birthdays are official planting day in Sacramento and Brooklyn. <laughs> what are you planting on your official planting day? 
maybe cabbage, broccoli I'll have out. I won't do no tomatoes for maybe another week after that or two weeks. All right. Yeah, the, the weather a bit more variable there. Yeah. In Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> All right. Charlie, you want to take a stab at the garden grappler? All right. Uh, ladybug? Ladybugs. Baldo? Uh, yes. Yes, that is a beneficial insect. Ladybug. You mean nobody said that? Nobody said that yet. No. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't say praying mantises. That's all. That's no, no, no. I, I kind of like them, but I don't like them either. Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. They eat hummingbirds, too. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's yes. weird. Yes. But you had yeah. a question. Oh, you were talking to the, the guy about the garlic? Yeah. Did you mention anything about the scapes, to take the scapes off? Because you take the energy or something like that, they say, out of the garlic? Well, you, you mean the flower head? Yeah. Yeah, the flower head. On, I, I was going to talk about that, and I ran out of time for both the calls about the garlic and the onion, that when you start seeing those bulbs develop at the top, the flower head, if you, if you want to consume those onions or garlic, then you need to cut those flower heads off in order that the garlic or the uh, onion does not turn woody. So on the other hand, though, if you leave a few onion and garlic in the garden and let the flowers bloom, you will attract so many beneficial insects. It's just gorgeous, and we can't mention any beneficial insects. Oh, yeah, there's people out here that do that. They leave some of the onions, and they look really nice. Oh, yeah, and not only that, you can uh, use the petals in in a salad, too. Yeah. So it's very the good. College scapes yeah. are great to eat. Yep. Yep. All right. So, uh, hey, Ladybug's good answer there, Charlie. So I'm sending everybody more information about controlling snails and slugs and controlling aphids, something right. I, I'm sure you have in New York. Oh, yeah, we got them. All right. Get out of the wind, Charlie. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks for calling. You got it. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. The um, You want to add anything to that, Baldo? No, no. Uh that's fine. <laughs> okay, so so ladybugs is off the list. All right, we've got that answer. So have a backup answer. Jack in real Linda, go ahead, give us a uh, beneficial insect or a pollinator. How about a green lacewing? Perfect. All right, green, green lacewing. And I love the eggs of a green lacewing because they hang by a slender thread on a lot of plants, and you can only see them really when the sun is kind of low in the horizon, and especially in the morning with the dew on them, and then you can really pick them out. They're generally on the underside of the leaves. Right. And they're, the uh, eggs are kind of golden color. And, and just a single per- egg. Yes, yeah. a single egg yeah. per, per, per uh, silken strand. Yeah, they're, yes. they're gorgeous. Yeah. So lacewing, green lacewing, good answer there, Jack. So I'll be sending you that information on controlling aphid slugs and snails. Well, great. Thank you, and happy birthday. Thank you, Jack. Good to hear from you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Where do we go now? Let's go to Carmichael. Talk with Tim here on the Garden Grappler and Get Growing. Tim, go ahead and give us a pollinator or a beneficial insect. Good morning, Baldo. Happy birthday weekend, Fred. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. Um, It's interesting. My uh, beautiful darling Lisa and I were working in the garden this weekend and found some parasitic wasps. I believe those might be considered a beneficial Baldo? Perfect. All Perfect. Right. Uh, any type of beneficial wasp that you sow? Why do you ask uh, these graduate questions to us common <laughs> gardeners, Baldo? <laughs> okay, beneficial wasps. Okay, parasitic wasp, he said. 
Okay. Right. So parasitic, and you're right, and they're parasitic. Why, Baldo? Why, why are they described well, as parasitic? They're, uh, they're parasitic because they're uh, generally they uh, they target a specific pest in the garden. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, there's a lot of different parasitic wasps that go. They're very specific on the, on the on, on specific pests uh, on aphids on uh, on uh, tomato hornworms. Yeah. Tomato hornworms. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, and what they do, they're laying their eggs inside that pest, aren't they? Correct. They, uh, yeah, they uh, they sting the, uh, the the pest, and then they lay uh, an, an egg in the inside of the pest, and then uh, the uh, the egg hatches inside the the, uh, the pest, and then it eats it yeah. from the inside out. And there's even on a smaller scale, there's even parasitic wasps that will parasitize a- an aphid. Oh, yes. And you can tell those aphids that have been parasitized when you turn over a leaf and you see what those dark colored shells that those are the ones that have been parasitized or whatever the word is. Yeah. The um, if you see uh, an aphid colony and then you see one aphid or, or a few aphids that are dif- there are different colors, you know, usually gray or black. Those are the ones that have been parasitized by those wasps. Yeah. Yes. Hey, Tim, good eye with the parasitic wasp there. All right. Thanks, Fred. Appreciate all you do. All right. Thank you. All right. Now, of course, I'll be sending you all those slug snails and aphids information. I wish I could send you all the slug snails and aphids from my yard, but <laughs> I, I won't do that. Ed's in Lakeport. Ed, go ahead and uh, give us a beneficial or a pollinator. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, hummingbird. Baldo? Perfect. Yeah, hummingbirds are uh, amazing uh, predators. They uh, they they hunt. Uh, pred- no, Baldo, that doesn't count. As a, uh, we're looking for beneficial insects or pollinators. Oh, okay. so you're you're supposed to say hummingbirds are pollinators. Okay. <laughs> are they? Yes. Okay. All yes, right. All yes, right. Yes, I wanted yes. to make that distinction. Yes. See, that was the trick to today's garden grappler. Okay. Okay. I didn't. Um, was the beneficials were limited to insects. Yeah, but see, Fred, I'm a biocontrol I specialist. Know. <laughs> I know. Everybody's your friend. We know that, Baldo. <laughs> All right. So, Ed, good job there. So, from the Our Water, Our World people, I'll send you their informative sheets on controlling snails, slugs, as well as controlling aphids in your garden. Thank you, sir, and happy birthday, and happy birthday to my homeboy from Brooklyn, too. Oh, yes, indeed. All right, Ed, thanks for calling. Appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Thanks. All right, and caller number five in today's Garden Grappler. I'm waiting, well, I'm waiting for the laughter. I don't hear any laughter. There we go. All right, it, it's Phil and Moraga. You know, I was I was wondering, where's Baldo? And all of a sudden, he's on the radio. It's great. Hello, I was Baldo. wondering about you, Phil. All right. <laughs> Hey, um, uh, how can you see a parasitic wasp? They're so they're so small. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of them that are ones? there's a lot of them are microscopic, and uh, there's yeah. a lot of them that are, you can actually see with a, with na- with your naked eye. You can go ahead well, and name a... the name the visible ones, Baldo, if you want. Oh, I can. Uh-huh. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, my mirrored wasps. The mirror mirrored wasp. My mirrored. My mirrored wasp. Yeah, those are uh, egg parasites mm-hmm. of insects. Okay. Yeah. My mirrored. Yeah. Right. Not your mirrored. My yeah. mirrored. Yeah, I know. Okay, <laughs> fine. All right, Phil, give us an answer before we uh, run out of time here. Okay, how about a honeybee? A what? A bee, a honeybee. Oh, a honeybee. Okay. Oh, that's 
pretty good. All right. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty I mean, good, not too bad. Yeah, it's not too bad. It's okay. All the good bees. I'm a fly. I'm not, no. Hover, okay, hoverfly. All right. Now now you're talking like a master gardener, Phil. Okay. All right. <laughs> hey, I have I I have a real quick question. Um I've got I've got some black mold uh, some black, you know, the black mold on my uh, on some roses. And we've done it, you know, I did my daylight. Unfortunately, I did a balder trick and used a 3 and one Do I need to pull all those leaves off? No, no. Um That's a monumental task. If you if you spray them with uh, with a fungicide, uh, you know it will control the fungus. Um, and what would you recommend on that? Uh, the best thing to do organic is, is possible. Um, I use this are we talking black spot on roses here? Yes, absolutely, oh. sir. Yes. Sir. All right. Okay. I, yeah. I was taking a nap. I didn't. There's <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, some. Um, oh God, what's organic? Um, um, Water. No, no, be, no, not water. Be water um, mm-hmm. uh, it. God, I just can't. Mm-hmm. What about like spinosad? That's probably not. No, spinosad is for insects. Um, okay, well, the only what thing would you I recommend can... in your garden then? How about this? When weather favors severe disease, available preventative fungicides for black spot includes neem oil, potassium bicarbonate, sulfur. Those are the organic ones. And then. And then they neem oil, neem oil, and I I think the restriction on neem oil is temperature, and you probably would not want to spray neem oil if it's going to be a hot day. No, no. If I'm going to spray any oils, I do it in the evening. Okay, yeah. When the temperature has dropped a bit, temperatures. uh, Well, I'll read and follow all label directions. Thank you for doing that. Yes, and it's usually uh, only a problem in California in foggy or humid coastal areas. Where do you? Oh, Moraga. Hmm. Oh, this is actually Lafayette. It's been kind of foggy, these plants, and, and it's been rainy, you know. Yeah. Yeah. With black spot, you need to use uh, two chemicals, okay? What, what's that? Uh, with uh, black spot, you need to use a double double whammy. Can we turn this into the KSTE Farm Hour? Do they have to be two different <laughs> frack? No, you you got to go. Do they have to be frack numbers? Two different frack numbers. <laughs> double whammy was one of them was three and one then. The, yeah, the one. What I what I do if I have a real bad situation with a black spot, I use a um, um, a contact insect uh, fungicide, and then a systemic fungicide. And okay. if you go to a nursery, you, you're going to see plenty of those. Okay? Got it. The uh, uh, other cultural solutions for black spot on roses, don't plant roses too close together, prune canopies to increase air circulation, prune off infected stems during the dormant season, dispose of fallen rose leaves and stems away from rose plants. Yeah. Your basics. There you go. And and give them light. Avoid planting roses where they will not receive at least six to eight hours of full sun. And and uh, as always, choose disease-resistant varieties. There's no re- disease-resistant varieties yeah, well, for black spot. <laughs> you know, I'm just re- already in the ground. You know? I'm just reading here, okay? But, I know. I, I, yeah. Okay. I've got that book, too. All right. <laughs> Just one for the professional. So Phil, yeah, and the, the guy with the actual experience. Okay, the uh, so Phil, you, what you won being the fifth caller, and and actually, I'm going to take your answer of hoverflies because you're okay. a master gardener and you, you should say something smart like that. The uh, <laughs> the, the, the homeowner's guide to water smart landscaping. I will uh, ship your way. Oh, sweet. 
right. All right, Phil. Thanks for calling. Well, get out of there. Go for a bike ride or something. Gentlemen, have a beautiful day. Thank you very much. I just might. (laughs) Thanks, Phil. All right. And and Baldo Villegas, thank you so much for uh, coming on down to the radio show today. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah, you did Uh, a fabulous job as always. And... uh, Best of luck in your future endeavors, and uh, I'm sure we'll have you again when the next uh, Rose Show is going to... I'll be around for a while. Okay, all right. And we'll uh, talk roses and bugs and everything else and get more blueberry tips from you. Hey, come on over and enjoy my blueberries. Yeah, don't make me jealous. Okay. (laughs) I just might. I have have over uh, at least 60 plants right now of blueberries. Quite a few died. But you always invite it. To, in about a month's time, yeah. we're going to start getting some blueberries. Don't, don't tempt me. Yeah. I eat blueberries every morning with breakfast. Yeah. I, I tell you, I eat, I mean, I, I, I pick uh, a gallon at a time or more, and uh, I keep them in the refrigerator. And then uh, when my daughter comes in from San Francisco, she takes all of them back. With Good. Them. All right. But I eat them all the time. Yeah. It's a natural snack. Yes. Very good. Yeah, blackberries are going to be in uh so you come on over and in, come on over and visit me in a month's okay. uh, time. It'd be sad. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Thanks, Baldo. Appreciate that. Okay. All right. Coming up, we're gonna do uh, some uh, fruit tree espalying as we continue with Get Growing on Talk Six Fifty KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Coming up Saturday, May 19th at the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center. It's a full morning. You're going to learn how to espalier fruit trees. What's espalier? Well, let's find out. Let's talk about the pros and cons and everything you need to know about espaliering fruit trees with Chuck Engel, Sacramento County Farm Advisor, Cooperative Extension Representatives, and one of the leaders of this espalier workshop going on at the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center on Saturday, May 19th. And Chuck, uh, let's, uh, I guess for people who don't know, tell us what espalier is. Uh, Espalier is training fruit trees or any tree to a kind of a flat plane or flat wall. And it, it ends up forming a narrow fruiting canopy, which is ideal in some respects because it's easier to manage. But of course, there is a learning curve to be able to know actually what to do with all this growth that comes and, and how to manage it. So there is a fair amount to know, and, and this information is not widely available for fruit trees. Who benefits with espalier? Is it just people with small yards? It is good for where you have a narrow area in your yard because it's a narrow canopy. Uh, it's also good against walls, and so you'd be mainly just getting the crop on one side of the of the wall. And it also is good if you have a little overhang on that wall because in the in the winter. Uh, you can get some protection from frost uh, being up against the wall and also with a little overhang on it, but not too much of an overhang or or else you reduce the uh, amount of crop. So really, it's taking a three-dimensional item and and turning it into a two-dimensional item, an edible item at that. Yeah, that's right. And it's a really nifty way of growing trees, not just up against walls, but out in the open too on trellises. Fruit production is quite efficient. You can have just in this narrow little wall, so for example, we have a peach tree at the horticulture center that's eight feet tall and 11 feet wide, and the whole canopy is filled out. And on the fourth year, we had 360 fruit. Uh, now that took a little 
time to figure out how to do that. And it's not easy because there's so much growth that peaches, peach trees produce. Uh, you have to manage that growth in order to get that kind of production. Are peach trees the easiest fruit trees to espalier? What are some of the easier ones? What are some of the hard ones? The hardest are the ones where you have really extreme tree vigor growth. And that's, again, hard to manage, and that reduces the crop when there's so much vigor. The easiest are generally palm fruits, apples and pears, Asian pears. They conform to a trellis, a, a canopy, in a trellis canopy very nicely. Citrus actually works extremely well, too, as long as it's not too vigorous, uh, like a, a, a genetic dwarf. Citrus tree would work beautifully. A mandarin would work beautifully. Then you get into some of the taller things like grapefruits and, and lemons where you have to give them a little more space. Then next in ease would be probably apricot, cherry, plum, bluot, and pomegranate. And more challenging are the peaches and figs and, and uh, peaches and nectarines for sure, but also figs and persimmons bear their fruit on current season shoots. So you have to let those shoots grow. Uh, actually, the, the persimmons are last year's branches, but then the new shoot grows, and that's where fruit are produced. So you have to, uh, it takes a little more thought and effort and knowledge to know how to do those. Most challenging, of course, then again, is, the, is those trees that have just way too much vigor, or if you lose your crop to bad weather, then you end up with little crop to kind of hold back that growth, that vigorous growth. The key is to a, is provide adequate space. And I would think, too, a, a sunny space. Oh, yes. Like all fruit trees, uh, they require full sun or at least eight hours, six to eight hours of full sun. Now, you mentioned some of the vigorous trees that um, might be more of a challenge, and yet you mentioned uh, plum trees as on the fairly easy side, and yet plums are one of the most vigorous fruit trees there are. Yes, it's true, and that's what makes them difficult. So one time at our horticulture center, we had a plum, actually a pluot, growing in a space that was six feet tall and six feet wide, and it outgrew the space in the first year. So yes, you you really need to give them more space, but they have spurs, and they produce a lot of fruit on those spurs, and the more fruit you can produce, the greater the drag on the growth, and then the easier it is then to espalier tree, uh, fruit trees, those fruit trees. Now, I, I noticed that on this May 19th workshop about espaliering fruit trees, not only are you going to be talking about fruit trees, but also trellis construction. You have a crew of experts and master gardeners to help you out there. And I would think uh, when people come out to the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center, they will be marveling at the construction that you've done there with the various trellises for all the different kinds of fruit trees there. Is it, is it a really daunting task for the home gardener to be constructing these trellises? Uh, there's a lot of different kinds of trellises, and the one we use mostly is where you just have a four-by-four four post in the ground in concrete with the concrete extending above ground and above the mulch. So that's, that's the basic. You can also make the post out of chain-link fencing posts, uh, but you have to have a way to prevent sag of the trellis because with all the weight of the fruit, it'll pull them in. So there's various ways to prevent that. But you want to use a uh, redwood or uh, pressure treated that's kind of resistant to rot. But again, you want to have that concrete extend above ground. It's good to use pretty heavy gauge wire, either 12 or 14 gauge. Pretty important to not cut into the wire 
on thin wire, let's say, for example, by using too, uh, too thin a wire. So 12 to 14 gauge is good, but you don't even have to use wire. You could use board, but then you start shading out some of the canopy if you use board. I would think, too, that with a, a two-dimensional fruit tree, one that's been espaliered, it'd probably be a bit easier controlling pests. Uh, yeah, in fact, that's the main thing that's interested me because I was studying brown marmorated stink bugs for a few years and kind of came up with this idea that the only way to control them, because they're so hard to control, is to some, erect some sort of barrier to prevent them. And this is true with spotted wing drosophila, the cherry maggot, also. Pesticides are really kind of not working that well in some cases, like with a stink bug and with the spotted wing drosophila. You know, you don't want to be spraying pesticides in your fruit if you can avoid it. So we're trying to use a barrier, and we have uh, a couple of different barriers that are porous, and yet they allow sunlight in, too, uh, where we cover the canopy, especially for spotted wing drosophila, which you do a month before harvest or three weeks or so before they start laying eggs. So if it's covered, you're preventing them or excluding them from getting into the fruit. It's not cut and dry. It's it's challenging, but uh, we've we've shown and we are showing it now. Well, in a couple of weeks, we'll be putting up this fabric material called Fruit Shield, and we'll uh, demonstrate how it actually is working. And we we've had really good results in the past. You can see it all at the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center on Saturday, May 19th. It's an espalier training fruit tree workshop. There is a fee, $45 per person, and space is limited, so pre-registration is required. And they must get your registration in by Monday, May 14th. It's filling fast, so you better hurry. You can uh, visit the Sacramento County Master Gardener website for more information, sacmg.ucanr.edu, and look for the workshop information about the Espalier Training Fruit Tree Workshop. And there you're going to see some great examples. You're going to get some good ideas for your own yard as well. And what great instructors they're going to have there from the University of California teaching you all about espalier. Chuck Engel, Sacramento County Farm Advisor and the guy that heads up the Master Gardener Program in Sacramento County. Have a good workshop there on May 19th. Well, thank you, Fred. Good talking to you. You're listening to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. You are listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. All right, a lot of garden events going on. Let's uh, enumerate and elucidate upon those that are happening from now until next Saturday. For instance, today, from now until 3 o'clock, Sacramento's organic advocate and friend of the radio show, Steve Zion, is staffing the Our Water, Our World booth at the Home Depot Elk Grove location which is uh, on West Stockton Boulevard, just off Highway 99. You can see it from the Laguna exit on the freeway. Uh, Till 3 o'clock, he'll be there helping gardeners solve their growing and pest problems using environmentally sound tools and techniques. Also going on today, it's the second and final day of the Folsom Garden Club's 18th annual garden tour, the Gardens of Folsom, six beautiful and unique gardens, plus the Mirror House Gardens, Master gardeners at each of the gardens, plant sale, bake sale, artists in the gardens, too. And it's uh, going on right now until 4 o'clock today. And tickets are $20. Where can you get tickets? Well, you can uh, head to the first garden, I do believe. 
at 102 Tedford Court in Folsom and get tickets and find out more information if you visit their website, FolsomGarden.org, about where that garden tour uh, will be going today and how to get tickets to that. So, again, uh, that would be your best bet is to go to that website to get information. All right, also going on today at 1 o'clock at the Old City Cemetery at 1000 Broadway, 10th and Broadway in Sacramento, uh, Rosarian Anita Clevenger and others will be talking about roses. And today's topic is repeat blooming bourbon and hybrid perpetual roses. And also take a, a stroll through the rose garden. It, it's a beautiful day for it, not a bad idea. At the Old City Cemetery, 1000 Broadway in Sacramento, going on today. It's free, by the way. Master Gardeners of Amador County are holding a plant sale going on today until 2 o'clock at the American Legion Hall at 12134 Airport Road in Martell. Uh, what else? Anything else going on today? Well, probably, but it's not on my list. Coming up Thursday, uh, the Sacramento County Master Gardeners have a Q&A table set up, if you will. The Ask the, Mardner, Ask the Master Gardeners Information Table at the Florin Certified Farmers Market this coming Thursday, 8 a.m. to 12 noon there at, uh, I guess that's uh, Florin and 65th, if I'm not mistaken, 5901 Florin Road. And uh, that uh, it's a great farmer's market, too, so they can answer your gardening questions as well. Next Saturday, up in Amador County, it's uh, a class on Integrated Pest Management, IPM. What's it all about? Find out from 9 to noon next Saturday at the GSA building, at 12200 Airport Road in Jackson next Saturday, 9 until noon. Also going on next Saturday for the Sacramento Cactus and Succulent Society is having their annual show and sale going on at the Shepherd Garden and Arts Center next Saturday, 9 to 5, next Sunday, 9 to 4. And it's at the Shep, Shepherd Garden and Arts Center at 3330 McKinley Boulevard in Sacramento, Cactus and Succulents Galore, just an amazing selection that they have there. You ought to check it out. Also next Saturday, the Organic Garden Club of Sacramento County is having their plant sale at the Carmichael Park District Clubhouse at 5750 Grant Avenue at the corner of Fair Oaks and Grant. Lots of annuals, perennials, succulents, daylilies, native plants, and more at that sale next Saturday from 9 until 1.30. And one event from next Sunday, for next Sunday, it's uh, the Rose Show at the East Bay Rose Society, 71st Annual Rose Show at Lakeside Park in Oakland. And it's next Sunday afternoon, 1 until 5 o'clock. And more information can be found at their website, eastbayroses.org. So, so there. If your garden group is having an event coming up, your nonprofit group, uh, come on by uh, the email and send me the information about it at least two weeks in advance so I can get it up at FarmerFred.com in time as well as uh, read it on here on the Electric Radio Show. And just send uh, your uh, show announcements to Fred at FarmerFred.com with the basics of date, time, where it is, what's going on, cost, if any, contact information, maybe a website, something like that. So, like I say, try to get it to me at least uh, two weeks uh, in advance. All right. Uh, do we have time for an email question? I think we do. Um, where did I see that? Oh, 
Jan in Herald writes in, we were talking earlier about the lighter rose. And uh, Jan from Herald writes in and says, been wanting a lighter rose for years. Where do I find one? I can tell you where you can see one. And sometimes they have sales that might feature it. And that's the Old City Cemetery. And again, that event I mentioned that's happening today at uh, 1 o'clock might be an opportunity to go see it in bloom. Think about whether you want it or not. And then find out when uh, the folks at the Old City Cemetery Committee uh, has another rose sale going on. And uh, that event, again, is today at 1 o'clock. They'll do it again next Sunday at 1 o'clock as well, talking about once-blooming European roses. So the uh, Old City Cemetery is a good place to go for some of these old historic roses. And uh, like I say, uh, two or three times a year they do have sales of those. But uh, ask around. uh, Ask your favorite local rose society, too. And uh, down in the Herald area, either the Sacramento Rose Society or the Lodi Rose Society uh, might be good ones to check out, too, to see if anybody has uh, that Lida Rose, which is a spectacular uh, single rose, L-Y-D-A. But go see it at the cemetery. It's really beautiful. All right, time for me to get on out of here. Uh, Coming up on next week's program, Warren Roberts, UC Davis Arboretum. Uh, We're going to be talking about what's in bloom out there. Also, garden writer Debbie Arrington will be with us as well. It's coming up on next week's show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all the birthday wishes. I appreciate that. Thanks for planting tomatoes on official tomato planting day yesterday as as well. Oh, yes. I'm going to go get some sleep. I think I'll stay off the bike for a day or two. Stay tuned for the KSTE Farm Hour. That's coming up next right here on Talk 650 KSTE and KSTE.com.